As a pastor, Lenten season creates another sort of predicament for us. Twice a year, we have to tell the same story. Christmas, Advent, we're talking about Jesus is, get, Jesus is coming. And, and then in Lent, we talk about, well, we're terrible, we're sinners, and Jesus is coming and coming back, right? And so we sometimes look for some different ways to approach the telling of this same story. Now, don't hear me wrong. It's the greatest story ever told. But, but as, as a pastor who has to tell that story time and time again, we sometimes look for some different perspectives. And, and this Lenten season, we're going to be looking at sort of a different perspective. It's called Easter from the Backside. And we're, we're looking at sort of how some of the Old Testaments point towards Easter, point towards the need for Easter. And, and today we're going to talk about Easter being an answer. I mean, so what is Easter about, right? I mean, at its most basic level, it's the day that the women went to the tomb and then the disciples and found that the tomb was empty. A crucified Jesus was laid in this tomb, and if you read Matthew, there were guards outside of it, and the tomb was empty. I mean, at its most basic level, that, that's what Easter is, right? But, but I think another question is, why is Easter even necessary? Why did there have to be an Easter? And I think there's two reasons. The first of it is, it's actually the resurrection of Jesus that gives everything that he did before it his power. In the day, there were a lot of people claiming to be the Messiah. Not unlike today, people saying, follow me, Send me $5,000 in 10 easy payments, and you'll get salvation too. I mean, back in the day, there were a number of people. Josephus talks about, oh, Cletus said he was the Savior. He was the Messiah. He was the chosen one. And, and you know what? Without the resurrection, Jesus would have been just another dead, would-be Messiah. It is the very resurrection of Jesus that makes everything that he did before powerful and important. His miracles would be nothing without the resurrection. His teachings would be nothing without the resurrection. So that's one of the reasons for why did we need an Easter? Without Easter, Jesus is just a dead dude that's been talking, I'm the one. The resurrection is the proof that he is, in fact, the one. And by the way, without the resurrection, death wins. We'll talk some more about that in a little bit. But to get to the second reason as to why 
was Easter necessary, you have to go all the way back to the beginning. The beginning of our relationship with God. And so our text today comes from Genesis. It's the third chapter, verses 1 through 7 and verses uh, 22 through 24. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not die. For God knowing, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. And now chapter, uh, verse 22 through 24. Then the Lord God said, See, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now he might reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man at the east of the garden of Eden, and he placed the cherubim and a sword flaming and turning to guard the way to the tree of life. This is the word of God for the people of God. So God creates the world, and we read in, in verse 130 in Genesis that he creates the world and he pronounces it good. This is good. And then he creates man and woman. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's actually two creation stories in the book of Genesis. So, but in this one, he creates man and woman and puts them upon the earth. And our relationship with God is perfect. Our life is virtually perfect. I mean, there's just food everywhere. We don't have to go and work for food. We don't have to go and till the soil. Our relationship with God was perfect and living was easy. Now, before we go on, I want to point out, oftentimes there's, there's this idea that Eve tricked Adam into eating the apple or the pomegranate or whatever you see as a... Um, if you caught it in that scripture, Adam was there with her the whole time. So there's no trick in anything that happened here except for the serpent. Adam was watching the whole thing going on, and he was a participant in this. But the, the, the crux of it is that we chose to disobey God. God said, do, do what you want, but don't eat of this tree. Just this one. 
Well, it didn't last very long. So once we had disobeyed God, the whole world changed. Sin entered the world. But more importantly, in this instance, death became a consequence. Understand, it was not a punishment. It's not like God said, oh, you broke my rules, so now I'm going to punish you by bringing death into the world. No, that was the consequence of eating of the tree of knowledge. The consequence of our choosing our own will over God's was that death became a part of life for us. And our relationship with God was never again perfect. Part of our human condition is that we struggle to understand God's will, even if we want to do it. We have a hard time understanding exactly what it is God is willing for us. The first recorded death was not the death of Adam and Eve. It was, in fact, Abel's death, killed by Cain. Once death entered the world, it was a disaster for us as humans. And Adam and Eve experienced the worst kind of death in that it was a death of a child. Our own deaths are not near as frightening as the death of a loved one. I mean, I've already informed my wife that I have dibs. I get to go first. But isn't it ironic that that the first recorded death, which, by the way, was yet another sin, killing, murder, right? But the first recorded death was the worst kind of death, the death of of a loved one. The truth is that death or the threat of death for ourselves and for our loved one haunts us. is with us all the time. Whether you care to talk about it or not, whether you care to make funeral plans for your children's uh, sake or not, we're all going to die. And and as a parent, that, that sort of, oh, it could happen to my children thing is always present. Death follows us as humans wherever we go. So here we sit, we mortals, destined to sin against God, to struggle against His will in our life, an imperfect relationship with our Creator, and haunted by the consequence of that first sin, death. 
So if you look back at, at Scripture as a whole, you, you see that God has made covenant after covenant after covenant with us, depending upon how you count them. There's seven or eight covenants that God makes with us as people. Every single time we fail, we fail to keep the covenant that God has made with us. And then, and then comes the Lamb of God. John 1, 29 talks about Jesus as being the perfect Lamb of God. It's as if God said, gosh, y'all, I have made covenant after covenant with you, and you can't get it right. So here, this is what love looks like. I will send my son to be your sacrifice. This, this is what love is. This is what following my will looks like. So Jesus the Christ comes to earth, walks among us, and shows us truly what love looks like. And he becomes the ultimate sacrifice, the last sacrifice, the last bit of blood that need ever be shed. With his death, Jesus paid the price for all sins, past, present, and future. The man bore the sins of the world upon himself. That night, that day, on the cross. And with that death, we are forgiven. We are free from sin. Not that we won't do it again, but because we are under the grace of Jesus, we are forgiven. And then, and then, there was that Sunday morning, that first Sunday after the crucifixion, and the tomb was empty. Jesus lived. And we say this in the funeral liturgy, but because he lives, we also shall live. Because Jesus was resurrected, death does not have to haunt us. Death does not have to follow us around. We do not have to fear death. The, the truth of it is, for us, the followers of Jesus Christ, death is just the next step. It's the next great adventure. It's our time to be present with our loved ones that came before us, and most importantly, with God. You get to see the face of God. That's why 
We need it in Easter. Because of Easter, death doesn't matter. And look, I'm not denying that when we lose loved ones, it hurts. It hurts us. We miss them. We miss their physical presence with us. I get that. And there is a place for us to mourn and a place for us to remember. But death is not the end. It's the beginning. And as a follower of Jesus, we have to embrace that. That's why there is Easter. Easter is the answer to our sin. Easter is a victory over death for us mere mortals. Easter is the answer. Because of what Jesus did, we are free. Free from sin. Free from fear of death. That's why we needed Easter. Easter is the answer to the problem of sin and death. For me, Easter is the answer to everything. Let us pray. Gracious God, we are so sorry that Easter was necessary. But it is and was. And Jesus paid the price that we might be free, that we might be forgiven, and that we may no longer fear death. Father, for your Son, Jesus, his willingness to walk amongst us and to die for us and to rise for us, Father, we thank you. Help us, Father, as we move through this Lenten season to be aware of the price that was paid that we might be free. Help us to remember our need for an Easter. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.